Welcome to Bullcaster, a talk show for all crypto bulls. Tune in to a live discussion at 3 p.m. UTC every Friday on Bullcrypt's Twitter Spaces. Topics with the best industry experts, influencers, and remarkable personalities. So today we're going to talk about the significance of blockchain interoperability, and we're excited to have our two guests today. So from CoinWeb. So this is our Full disclosure: It's our portfolio company, right? So, but still, meet, please meet uh, Toby Gilbert, who's the CEO and the founder of CoinWeb. He's a seasoned uh, digital asset investor and um, entrepreneur. And then Alexander ha- hailed us. I really apologize if I mispronounced. <laughs> I did my best. <laughs> yes, he's a lead architect at CoinWeb and a former senior software engineer at Google. Uh, so, hi guys, and uh, good to see you on the show today. Uh, super happy Thank to you be for here. having us. Sir. Yeah. So, so before we start, just just a quick reminder for our community that you can write your questions right here in the chat. Doesn't matter if you're connecting through a YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitter, or Facebook Live. So, our moderators will collect the questions and we'll ask them at the second half of uh, of this uh, show. Uh, so, without further ado, like those those are like these are amazing experts in the field. So, can you really briefly uh, tell us about your background? How did you end up like working in the Web three space? So, Alexander, I, Alexander, I'd like like you to go first because he's he's unbelievably modest. So, I may add to what he has to say afterwards. Uh, okay, okay, you're you're uh, you're planning <laughs> uh, this. No, my my background is in uh, in tech. Um, um, briefly, I worked, um, as you mentioned, I worked for Google for, for many years. I worked a uh, few um, early in my career. I, I did work on the Linux kernel and security and uh, cryptography uh, there. I've done a few startups in security and machine learning and um, sort of an all-round uh, engineer, video conferencing um, Search engine I worked on uh, uh, also, and uh, I started Coin uh, started uh, I joined the CoinWeb uh, team back in 2017, and uh, met uh, Toby and uh, Knut, uh, the CTO, and um, and we just have a have a lot of uh, fun uh, doing this very very interesting work. Um, so um, yeah, been been there. Ever since, nice. so I'm 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 really happy that I I let Alexander go first because I, I knew he was going to approach it like this. So Alexander also led like the the, the Google Hangouts and like the Google Meets teams. He also patched uh, the original Bitcoin core in the area of thread security. So he's mentioned in the in the Bitcoin uh, GitHub for fixing it effectively so uh, he's very modest but hence why i have to jump in but um, toby gilbert ceo uh, co-founder of coinweb uh, i've been involved in the project uh, since the end of 2017 um, i've led the project and took over uh, investing in it uh, from early in 2018 and it's um, it's where we've where we've got to today uh, since then, has been a real roller coaster. Uh, we've gone through two two different bear markets. Uh, <laughs> we're in our third, um, and I've uh, my background is in telecoms for the past fifteen years, where I've built, operated, and exited uh, three uh, successful telcos. 
Perfect. No, thank you. It's an honor to be here with you guys. And, uh, uh, so let's let's jump right into it, right? So, what do you think about the interoperability? What what do you consider even as a concept of blockchain interoperability, and how do you personally uh, envision? But if, if I give it to at a high level in in lay terms, uh, before Alexander jumps in, and gives you a bit more of a technical explanation. Um, I would very much say that there's cross-chain and multi-chain. And this is, a, this is a very clear difference between the two. So we get asked a lot who are our compet uh, competitors, for example, um, and a lot of them are multi-chain. So for example, Polkadot, they uh, take an approach whereby you can set up numerous different blockchains within their ecosystem. And then they provide a platform that's interoperable between those different blockchains. Our approach is different to that, um, which is to say there are a number of blockchains in the market today, and they have uh, different uses, uh, different functionality, and uh, so on and so forth. And we allow users to then jump between the functionality and the use of those blockchains. So we're effectively enabling the communities of those different blockchains opposed to a multi-chain interoperability system whereby they say you know ethereum uh, elrond uh, um, you know solana forget about all of that you, you we're going to try and build our own community and draw those existing communities and start it from scratch and create that ecosystem so we're the former opposed to the latter and without interoperability there's there's been this whole concept that people have been talking about for the past two years and and they still do which is uh, a bit of um a bit of uh, <laughs> tokenism when they they talk about one chain to rule them all and we are very much believers that different chains have different use cases and therefore in, in the event that you are able to build or want to build a solution that is going to really be future-proofed, is going to be very useful, then you need to be able to draw off the functionality from several different chains and build in an extraction layer above those chains. Um, and that's really what interoperability in a nutshell is trying to deliver, um, which is really about delivering mass adoption, real-world adoption. Um, and that's, really, that's our focus and that's what our mission is. Alexander will give you more of a technical explanation. So, so Alexander, maybe you will uh, do a segue to the, the following use case, right, of interoperability and try to explain it through this practical concept. Yeah, I guess most uh, people maybe think about interoperability as the ability to swap a token from one chain to another or the ability to wrap a token uh, or, or similar. And um, and that's probably that's I guess the use case that uh, people are most familiar with. Um, but I think that is one type of operability, uh, interoperability that is um, is very common. It, it, there are different types of uh, bridge systems that use separate chains and, and stuff like that. We see a lot of breakdowns in that. The, the, the issue is often that when you when you put two systems together and you have some sort of link between them, those that, that becomes the weakest weakest point on the and the place where where things are attacked. But 
I think yeah, ideally, and this is sort of where we're we're coming from a, a slightly different angle. So what we what we started with is this this concept of uh, deterministic computations. So those are computations where where everything, all the inputs are known beforehand, and when that's when that's known, you don't need consensus. And when you don't need consensus, then uh, you you get a lot of different properties. But basically, we we think that uh, interoperability could potentially improve on things instead of just deteriorating security, for example, uh, or uh, or uh, liveness and and things like that. So we think that uh, if you have a good interoperability system, you might get better data integrity, uh, liveness. That is, for example, avoiding being getting stuck. For, uh, for example, in the Terra situation when the blockchain stopped, uh, or Solana that also stopped uh, at various locations, that you can sort of um, have multiple um, blockchains that you can live on and, and therefore have this liveness uh, property. And there's another property called the consistency pro property where you basically, you want to ensure that when something happens on one chain, it must happen on the other chain. Uh, which is which is very very tricky to get, but but it's it's possible if if you get those properties, then you you get a real um, sort of layering of uh, of the blockchain uh, system where you can we can say that interoperability is is sort of is abstracting over uh, over the underlying line chains and and give you access to all those different chains. So, so with this, maybe, maybe we can, we can, I can specify another. You, you touched upon really interesting matter, which is uh, uh, layers, right? We, we, we often hear like layer zero, layer one, layer two solution, right? You know, and a lot of people are lost. What, what the hell are those layers? <laughs> Explain in well, simplified terms. What, what does it well, mean? Well, be, so, well before mm -hmm. Alexander goes into that, I think it's very important that I think that our industry is awash with <clears throat> a glossary, effectively. Uh, that is uh, that that pe that people from the industry keep on coming up with uh, either to make them sound themselves sound very very intelligent or to baffle other people um, but if we're to boil it down um, which Alexander is just about to do for you because I can see he's chomping at the bit too that they, they are relatively simple concepts um, which which we will we, we will try and deliver, and sometimes the lines are slightly blurred as well at the same time, because I don't think even the people that come up with the glossary know what they're what they're trying to communicate. Yeah, that, so, that's, so let's, that's go, let's go in simplified terms: layer zero, layer one, layer two. What are the? No, no. How would you? No, it's, it's, it's definitely not that simple. When we talk about layer one, that is sort of the the simplest. So layer one is uh, what we call the traditional. Um, blockchains, the original uh, Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum, etc. But uh, those blockchains, they do basically everything in one system. So they have consensus, they have availability, they have an, a sort of execution engine, they have some sort of language that they execute. And Bitcoin is very simple. The language is basically I can move my tokens around or I can I can move I can move the right to move a token to somebody else. I can say that you have now the right to move the token and, and having the right to move the token means that you own the token. That's sort of definition of ownership in, 
in, in Bitcoin. And then you have uh, the EVM uh, where, where the execution engine is, is this instruction set. Um, but it's still tied into that when you create a new block, you do you agree on who's who's able to create a new block. That's that's the consensus. Then when you run a node, you you assume that there's availability of the data. That has sort of been skimmed over, but there's a lot of uh, improvements in the availability area uh, these days. And, and then and then they have to execute the code. And and there there comes layer two uh, in into the into the picture because what layer two does is it says okay if if we have consensus I, we have somebody that decided we have a system that decided what is the new data coming in and then uh, we can actually do execution of that uh, in a different system so we can say that uh, we have a lot of data um, but actually figuring out what that data means, that, that is, a, is a different system. What's super interesting about layer two uh, is that layer two is, is typically a deterministic computation. It's so it's sort of you can assume that the data exists in the blockchain and assuming that everyone agrees on what the input data is, then the output, given that the computation is also on the blockchain, you, you know what to execute, then the output is uh, given. There's no question about um, what the output should be, uh, but on layer one, wh where you where you need to agree on uh, uh, on what the input is, then you can't know what the output is. You can't know the output of the computation until you have figured out what you want as input. But you can separate those two things, and that's very powerful. And then on layer two, there are basically two different. Uh, systems that we use to to make it really efficient to validate that computation. So we have zero knowledge systems, and then we have those systems that are that we use. We use a, a validation system called RDoC, which is Referee Delegation of Computation, which is uh, kind of similar to Truebit, uh, where you where you can basically uh, you can have an interactive protocol, uh, or you can run that protocol on chain, and uh, and you can figure out who is correct if you have two different choices of, of what, what that computation output was supposed to be. So that's layer two. And, and what's really nice about layer one and layer two is that layer two, since it has this really nice uh, proof and validation methods, you don't need that many nodes in layer two compared to what you necessarily need in, in uh, layer one. Layer one is very critical. It, it, it's, it, it's layer one that can uh, can um, sort of uh, uh, censor, for example, censorship, uh, removing data availability. All that's very critical stuff. You need uh, you need a lot of nodes to, to fix that. Uh, but when the when you have the deterministic computation, you can sort of you can you can have fewer nodes. And if you go on the zero knowledge route, in a sense, um, those systems basically outsource a lot of computation to one supercomputer. And then they just deliver the proof, uh, which can be uh, easily verified by by anyone. So you just need this sort of one big, um, big computer. Half of our audience like understood maybe fifty percent of what you're saying, and this is the challenge when the, when Alexander is is he's super smart. So Toby, right. you know maybe you can chime in yeah, and, sure. and help us to get. Sure. 
a lighter yeah. version of, of <laughs> Alexandra. Ab yeah. uh, uh, absolutely. Look, Alexandra and I, we do this all day long, but, but with, within the team. So uh, layer one, traditional type blockchains uh, themselves, as you know them, uh, 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 Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, uh, Solana, Cardano, so on and so forth. Layer two are effectively platforms that sit above the layer one existing blockchains. And then they take the heavy lifting on, of the computation out of those blockchains above them. Um, and then they can offer speed uh, and scaling um, as, as blockchains themselves are, are, are traditionally known to be rather slow and, and expensive and cumbersome. So if you take the heavy lifting out of those blockchains and just uh, allow those blockchains to to do the uh, the computations that they need to do uh, the minimal uh, comp computations then you can draw the heavy lifting out of it and and layer zero is where effectively you're getting a bit of a combination between layer one and layer two uh, by way of example uh, you have cardano where they have a layer one blockchain but they also uh, enable a whole load of functionality specific to their own ecosystem um, that takes the, the, the computations away from their own blockchains and allows you smart contract frameworks and so on and so forth. They're, they're also coming up with the term now, which is layer three. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> which is obviously just, very just, simple, that's all. <laughs> yeah, but layer, layer also three is. is also just uh, basically another layer two that is, uh, that yeah. is uh, inside of... Um, inside of layer two, basically. Layer three and layer, like layer two, layer three and layer four, those kind of things and many layers, they have that in, in the zero knowledge uh, space, but they are all basically similar because they are, they, they have the property that they're de deterministic. So layer one is very different because it, it deals with a non-deterministic, uh, layer zero and one, they deal with non-deterministic, basically figuring out who is allowed into the party? Like uh, you're you're the doorman, and there's a lot of people that want to get in, and like who who are you selecting? Uh, and it's quite important that uh, that role is very different from from the role of optimizing computation, which is at the higher levels. Can, can you bribe the doorman? I'm just curious. Yeah. network. Or a fifty-one percent attack, or a three-quarters exactly. attack, De yeah, depending you, if we're in proof of work or proof of stake, right? Yeah, then, right, then exactly. you're trying to take over. Right? Then, yeah, then you're exactly. trying to tip the doorman. So that well, you well, well, no, no, we're not tipping the doorman. We're rushing the door in nightclub terms. <laughs> you know, you've given up on trying to give him a fifty-pound note. We're all just going to raid it. You know? Exactly. Yeah, but layer zero. So, Let's, maybe we can go to layer zero a little bit because layer zero is sort of a, a, a new new kid on the block for the last last year or Andrew, so. The only thing, Alexander, I apologize, under one minute because we have ten questions from our audience. We want to also give them the chance to ask you directly. Questions. Okay, okay. You have you have okay. one minute for layer zero. <laughs> okay, layer zero. Layer zero is this uh, thing, and and it's not. Um, because Polygon and Cosmos and some of these that that sort of are clo they're, they're sort of closed systems. They have one consensus system and interoperability system that works across these parachains or these chains that use the same consensus system. So at this sort of the core of their system has both consensus and 
interoperability. And therefore, people have said that, oh, let's, let's call the interoperability system layer zero. Um, but that is sort of, to me, it's a little bit confused uh, terminology because we have interoperability at layer two as well. And we have, uh, and, and actually CoinWeb that we're working on uh, is doing interoperability, um, something you can call deterministic in interoperability, uh, where, where it's completely separated from consensus. It has nothing to do with consensus and, and it's sort of a completely separate layer. So it, it doesn't really belong there at, at layer zero, but it, it depends on, on different projects have actually different type terminology when it comes to that. Yeah, you're talking about classification, different types of like different mechanism. How do you approach different types of ontology and taxonomy? So yeah, of course, if you need to, if you go there, like this is going to be an hour conversation, maybe a few hours. Okay, so if you don't mind, let's 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 hear real questions from people who who want to understand, like you know, better what we we're just talking about. Uh, um, so Manu from YouTube is asking. So do you think? will ever solve the blockchain trilemma? And is there a project close to solving this problem? Yeah, CoinWeb. <laughs> well, we have... Shame, shameless plug. <laughs> so like, there my, you go. mic drop. <laughs> yeah, where do you want me to go with that, Constantine? <laughs> Listen, I'm a, don't, don't kill the messenger. This is a question. No, no, I, you know, let, 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 I just, it's, it's a very important point. You know, our industry is filled full of very smart people. A, a lot of whom are young guys um, who are coming up with architecture uh, from scratch um, to implement blockchain solutions to solve the trilemma, um, and which is counter to traditional technology. The, the 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 microchips that are used in the majority of devices today, they were this the basis of which was invented in the late seventies. And it's just been improved upon and improved upon and improved upon to get to where we are today. A lot of blockchain technology that we're seeing come out it has been almost thought up from scratch, which is all well and good until you try and load balance any sort of real transactional values on it. And then you see it get come under strain. And then you see problems like Alexander mentioned earlier, like with Solana let alone Terra Luna. I mean, that's a disaster. But I, I think, and what Alexander will answer, and to answer that question, we've taken some uh, tried and tested technology, like RDoC, uh, that Alex touched on a minute ago, and we're integrating that with uh, other technologies like WebAssembly with innovative uh, blockchain technology, and we're merging it together to try and solve these problems. And I think we, we look around the space today and there's a reluctance to do that from a, a lot of guys that are, you know, they, they don't have the experience of Alexander and Knut. And, uh, you know, we've got 54 devs on our team. And uh, at the moment, a lot of these guys have come from similar types of background and other guys have come, you know, they're fresh out of the box and, you know, they're coming up with, with blockchain architecture from scratch. Uh, but we're merging it all together. And, and there is a reluctance to do that within this space to be able to solve those problems and say, oh, that's real world technology, that's old technology. We shouldn't be uh, merging that in with these new concepts and ideas uh, and making that happen. And, and that's what we're doing here uh, with, and we think that's gonna be a, a, the solution as how we can contribute to the trilemma. 
So, so we're we're gonna go to some like really blitz mode, if you don't mind. So, like you know, tell one go, minute go, go. for one to make sure we have all the answers. Because I I want to read one comment that's more like you know, so from YouTube. Uh, uh, so Alexander has so much to teach. He sounds like a blockchain Einstein. So just for to elevate your ego a little bit. So. <laughs> okay, so. Talking about the the uh, interesting uh, you touched Toby an interesting question. So I will. So Satoshi Satoshi Meta from YouTube is asking. Uh, so are layer two projects really the future of a blockchain? What will make users keep their activity in layer twos while they're a strong layer one competitors with supposedly five thousand uh, TPS? Well, I, I just I'm going to jump in on that one immediately and just say as a fire answer. Mm -hmm that we are not looking to drag away communities from other blockchains. We are trying mm -hmm. to provide a solution that makes existing blockchains more usable um, and thus bring those communities together. So when all this kind of concept of, you know, a block, you know, an Ethereum killer or all these other terms, this is the dead opposite to what we're looking at and, and thus what we don't believe in. Got it. So, so th that brings us to the next question. Ahmad is asking from YouTube, in your opinion, could blockchains be the baby st steps towards something bigger in the crypto industry? And do you think there will be a superior technology that will make blockchains obsolete? They're the basis of the crypto industry. Crypto doesn't exist without blockchain. And I I, I, if I... If I yeah, you, it, a blockchain is basically a, a database. A database is used for all mm -hmm. data processing. It's a, it's a different system. It's a decentralized database. We will have databases uh, forever. Uh, we might call them something different as the technology evolves, but uh, uh, if, if we still call them the blockchains, they will be there forever. Yeah. Just to, well, just to expand upon that, I think it's important, Fahmed, is to say that if you've got different parties that are looking, that are unconnected, so thus a distributed ledger, that are looking to confirm blocks, there is a CapEx and an OpEx. The CapEx is the equipment, the servers, effectively, that are being used to confirm those blocks. Those are mining rigs. And there is an OpEx, which is the manpower and is the electricity to run those rigs. And then, therefore, if there's a CapEx and an OpEx, there needs to be a return on it. And the return is a token. And to be able mm -hmm. to verify those blocks, to build those blocks together, thinking about Tetris, if we really want to boil it down, there needs to be a reward. And the reward is a token, and that is what crypto is. So DLT mm -hmm. and crypto are fully integrated into one another. One doesn't exist without the other. Yeah. But there will be uh, there will be uh, lots of advances when it comes to the basic functionality on availability and scalability and and uh, these things, and ties a little bit back to the previous question on layer two. Uh, layer two currently, if you have a traditional layer one um, underneath, then definitely layer two uh, is the solution for for everything. Yeah. Uh, but there will be probably layer ones that incorporate the layer two te technologies that we have now so they have be better proof systems they have better um, better validation proof systems and stuff like that so that they um, can get good security uh, with um, basically fewer nodes cheaper cheaper faster better um, so and then they some of those will call themselves a layer one 
but in the old classification, there would be both layer one and layer two in one system. Yeah, well, we have a bunch of questions regarding like, you know, Polkadot and Cosmos, but you already touched upon this, so we're not going to go there. So, but um, th this is a more of a, a personal question to Toby, and then I'll segue with another question about CoinWeb. So, uh, Ronaldo <laughs> from Seven from YouTube is asking, so um, kind of curious, uh, what made you believe that blockchain is the future of the internet? And is there a specific event in your life? This is a brief question. Well, well yeah, I, I, absolutely there is, actually. It's, it's, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you quick. Uh, I was on a beach in Goa, India. Um, I'd been involved for in, in a partnership for seven years with Knut Binger, who's our CTO. And he was sitting down and he was explaining uh, uh, blockchain technology to me. So this is uh, December, early, early mid-December 2017. And he was saying, you know, you've got to think about it like email systems, the early email systems. Uh, back in the day, would only allow you to send one email within an, a single email client. So in modern day terms, we've got Hotmail and AOL and whatever else, Gmail. Um, you couldn't send an, an email, this is before those clients, but just use it as an example, between a Gmail account and Hotmail account. I was like, really? He's like, no, if you had a, one email client, uh, you could only send an email within it. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very useful. He's like, that's where blockchain is today. So if you build a solution on top of one blockchain and anything happens to that blockchain, like it fails or it becomes too expensive or too slow, Ethereum, for example, or if you built on top of Terra Luna, then whatever the project was that you had built on top of that would die or it would be rendered useless effectively. I was like, well, how can anyone take that risk? How could you go and spend lots and lots of, money effectively building a solution and you know a project or a company whatever it may be on top of one particular blockchain because no exactly and and that's why i how i kind of got hooked when i became a believer in the space because he said what needs to happen to be able to forward this and to for mainstream adoption to take place is so you can build across these different chains. Just in case one fails or something happens to it becomes too expensive or too slow and so on and so on, you can then migrate i went well that's yeah. natural that happens in all other areas of technology because we're not in blockchain and that was at the end of 2017 and that's what made me believe in it it just made that sense was it was common sense it was just common sense okay. there was nothing else no it's your aha moment and, and 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 i think it's very smart because if you think about it, it's risk management you simply cannot sure. you know all your eggs in one basket and you have to make sure right. that it's a security risk management like you know in any software development right you mentioned sftp yeah. protocol with email but it pertains to any technology so yes uh so which brings us to an another question uh so about the french bull from youtube is asking so coinweb has been in development since 2017 as you've mentioned i think so so how much has changed compared to the original idea and are you planning to incubate projects as well on, on i guess he's asking on top of coinweb uh yeah so it's like changed quite a bit sure go ahead alex yeah um so I, I guess i i think that the um, there's been uh, some uh, revelations along the way uh in, in the in the beginning we had um much much we had quite narrow ambitions uh we um and then but, but then we basically it 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 sort of uh, changed around uh, 2018 uh, I think where where we uh, where we got the 
we, we sort of worked on this problem of, of how to do uh, how to be able to prove uh, things on different blockchains and at the same time be able to use different blockchains proving and, and using and and then um, we we looked at uh, Truebit and uh, RDoc at the time uh, for this uh, which were the scalability um, solutions and we sort of combined that with um, using the layer one as availability and then basically out of this thinking for a while um, CoinWeb sort of came out of that. Um, mm -hmm. It's just just a bunch of uh, people. We were we were just you know constantly going back and forth on on this problem, and then it sort of appeared uh, out out of that. And then when we had that, yeah, then the then sort of the the scope. And then the coin. There's another the last question which I ask you for today. Almost almost the last, right? So, Kaori from Megumi from YouTube is asking, like, please tell us about the Coin Web Digital Wallet. So is this complete? Is this uh, where can we find more information? Uh, okay, so the, the CoinWeb uh, digital wallet is going to be delivered uh, in September. It'll be available on uh, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Stores. Um, I, I would say equally, if not more exciting, the multi-tenancy wallet that we're building for adoption uh, which is whereby we have 70% of it remains fixed and then 30% of it's white labelable. You can choose your sections and then it comes with fully integrated Fiat rails uh, covered by multiple licenses all around the world, a full ops team that's already on, in place and transacting uh, is really going to drive uh, immediate adoption of the platform whilst we're, we're building in a permission state before mainnet launch and it's a mainnet launch that we fully expect the the network effect to kick in but so we have as i said the coin web wallet which is is quite innovative and then on the other side we have the multi-tenancy wallet so you can come along and we will build that for you alongside you issue a cross-chain token which i think we're going to touch upon later which is is really groundbreaking like the way in which we're doing this no one else is doing this um, and the functionality that throws off is it, it, just exciting. Uh, thanks to Alexander, I'm mad. Um, and, and that's going to be released first week of November. Of this year. <laughs> of this year. That, that, that's that. important, important. Because like, yeah. a lot of, lot of ecosystems, as you know, promise, yeah, promise, promise, and then they like, like say, okay, maybe we, deli we deliver it a little bit later. Like say postpone and postpone and the, the community, to say the least, are not happy, right? You know, so in your case, well, we, why we personally also respect and love uh, CoinWeb team because they actually deliver, you know, like, and uh, that's that's really important that you can see that, you know, people might be skeptical. Uh, I'll be honest, like we hear, like you know, so a lot of people concerned, oh, what's happening to the price of the token, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I want to emphasize on our side, like as people who are supporting like the project, is not only because you know we are the supporters and we have to show it; it's because you have to look at the long-term 
strategy, if you look at any layer two or layer one solutions, there's cycles. You can see clearly that none of them in the first year, the first two years, even like actually like, you know, pump like incredibly. It takes time to build community. It takes time to build infrastructure. And the guys are working day and night to do that. And you just have to, you know, basically follow the news and you see they're transparent, they're public, they're like answering all the questions. I think that is important and you have to focus on this and then expect first first milestone September and then November, right? Well, well I, think, I think that's something really important just to add to that in, in 30 seconds, which is we've mm -hmm. already built two DeFi projects on top of CoinWeb on the component working parts of CoinWeb uh, as proof of concept. And they turned in something a little bit more than proof of concept. So that's OnRamp and BlockFort. And they've been in live uh, prod since uh, late December 2020. And we have transacted via the CoinWeb platform being written down to uh, multiple underlying blockchains, millions of transactions that represent $160 million worth of sales of stable token uh, stability issued from the CoinWeb platform. Um, and those projects have come along with compliance, uh, regulation, regulatory licenses in loads of different jurisdictions, um, you know, anti-fraud, uh, you know, all these weird and wonderful tricks that hackers get up to. So we've learned hand in glove working with that team, what we know today. So we, we very much hope that when the CoinWeb wallet gets released and the multi-tenancy wallet, that we're, we're almost battle tested and seasoned. So, you know, of course there'll be a testing period uh, like with any new product being released, but we've been knee deep in this for the past two years, learning what works, credit card acquiring, SWIFT, SEPA, local account to account rails, different regulations, how they change, what you can do, what you can't do, which helps us refine the products that we're talking about releasing at the end of this year. Um, so any closing words also, Alexander, uh, Toby? I, I understand it's, it's difficult to, to, um, to sort of wrap your head around this, uh, this area, but I, I think it, it, it makes sense to to maybe just focus on what what you see as giving value and and what what you can see in what we're doing is that we're trying to at least enhance the value that already exists um which which is sort of an intuitive uh, good thing to do um and then um yeah i i, I know I, I don't i don't really know how to it, it, it's really difficult to, to sort of evaluate stuff when if you if you don't um, if you don't manage to, to get, wrap your head around it. But uh, I, I, I'm at least trying to be um, available uh, in um, chat and, and Telegram and the various various places to to uh, to answer questions. If you have questions, uh, feel free to go on the Telegram group and, and ask. And uh, we're, we're trying to, to be there to, to help the community. Yeah, I've, I've got one last thing to say, but, but this is like really, really important. I've been on a calls for the past 10 days with the, 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 the heads of the LAMS divisions of probably the top five um, exchanges out there today. They're, everyone happens to be interested in us. And a general theme keeps on breaking through at the moment, which is, um, oh, you're interoperable, you're layer two. Okay, we get that. Um, what's your route for adoption? What's your product? 
And everybody is absolutely focused on what the adoption and go-to-market strategy is, which is completely correct because without customers, there is nothing. But at the end of the day, if you do not look exceptionally carefully at what the underlying protocol is and how robust it is, then people pile into a product. And that's what you're seeing today from, you know, CFI, DeFi, uh, you know, Terra, uh, Celsius and all of this with significant amounts of funds moving into it, billions and billions and billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars. And then there's an oops moment. Oh, well, maybe that wasn't as well thought through as we thought it was. And $40 billion just evaporated in 48 hours. And so I think there's going to be uh, a lot more focus now on what these underlying protocols are, how robust they are, to support relatively large amounts of money that has the promise of growing exponentially. Um, and I think that's going to be a key thing to look at uh, and keep an eye on over the next 12 to 24 months. 100% agree. Yeah, it's better to start slow, but be consistent on your promises Absolutely. and make sure that security is intact, that the, as you mentioned, legal and compliance part is important. I know you're working with some exchanges, as you mentioned, and that's that's exciting. I'm sure you're going to have some news to share more about this part. And yeah, um, listen, I, I personally enjoy talking to you like we're happy to talk for hours, but we want to try to make it like, you know, this show is very concise, sure. uh, right? And then we'll, we'll be happy to have you more, right? You know, thank you, Toby. Thank you, Alexander, for your answers. And again, um, thank you very well, everyone for joining Bullcaster today. It's a, as you know, it's a crypto talk show for investors, for partners, for remarkable personalities. And you listen to us in, uh, every time at uh, 3 p.m. UTC on uh, YouTube Live or any other platforms that you were able to connect uh, every Friday. So uh, with this said, we really appreciate your time, guys, and uh, we wish you success. We want to see all the deliverables in September and November. We'll be the first to test your products. Great. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Cheers. Right, cheers. Stay tuned with Bullcaster, a talk show for all crypto bulls.